Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in to another edition of Brewcast here on MazingBrew.com, affiliate of SB Nation. We've been talking football. Uh, we haven't been talking football on this show. We were uh, a lot of the stuff that we post on the site is primarily football, but we were in a little run of basketball for the last couple months. And no, there wasn't a show last week. We did have a show planned. The spring game being canceled blew that all to hell, so we decided to cancel our show as well. But we're back. Uh, hopefully the batteries are recharged a little bit. I'm back with Luke Giardi. I'm back with Chris Castellani. We've got, it's going to be a little bit, a, kind of a grab bag of stuff today. We're, I'm, I'm going to kind of Walter Krogkite this shit. We're going to go from topic to topic. It's going to be like the six o'clock news and we'll just kind of talk and, and we have something uh, planned for later. But uh, I'd be remiss uh, if I didn't welcome both of you guys in. It's, it's good to hear your voices again in the couple minutes that we talked before we pressed record. Um, gentlemen, how, how is everything going since the last time we spoke? It's going good, man. I was going to say, I missed you guys last week. Didn't get to, didn't get to chat other than, you know, our, our little chat that we got going on, but it's good to be back. Uh, had a good off week for sure. And I'm ready to get back into it, man. A lot of things are moving right now at U of M. Yeah, uh, I'm feeling about the same. I mean, it's, uh, last week was definitely, even if the spring game did happen was, I mean, it's such a calm down from what's been what had been going on in the last month and a half uh, that uh, you know it was it was kind of nice to uh, like you said kind of recharge the batteries and um, look forward to uh, what's to come. Well, it would have been nice to and, and let me say this: like 
the spring game is fine and all, but it doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. All it really does is get people kind of talking and amped up about the team again. And and what I was kind of looking forward to was not even seeing the guys on the field, but it's just the, you know, it, it had been a, a couple weeks of, you know, well, I shouldn't say a couple weeks of sorrow, but it had been about a week or so of sorrow with obviously Michigan losing in the national title game in basketball, um, losing in a heartbreaking fashion in the frozen four. So that was kind of a tough week. And then you look to the spring game, you go, okay, spring game is is next. You know, it's a, it'll be a nice way to pivot from the spring sports, the winter sports, and kind of pivot and focus kind of back in on, you know, at the end of the day, and we've, we've sort of talked about this, but you know, Michigan is a football school and mm-hmm. it's always going to be number one, even when they're three and nine, even when they're 12 and zero, it, it's going to be how it is. So uh, even coming off of a disappointing season, I think a lot of us were kind of looking forward to just sort of pivoting the conversation, changing the conversation and maybe seeing some things on the field that would have gotten us excited. And one of those things that would have been exciting if they did play the game, shout out Mother Nature. You've been ruining really just about everything in your path the last month or so. Uh, hopefully it gets it starts getting warmer here. But something I would have, I think maybe, listen, like I said, I don't get all that jazzed up about spring games and spring football and, and all that stuff. But when we're talking about a guy like Shea Patterson, a guy who was a former five-star recruit at quarterback, a guy who transferred into a Michigan program, and a guy who a lot of people think if he's eligible this year, not only will be the starting quarterback for this team, but has a chance to be one of those dark horse, you know, Heisman contender type of players. So uh, that's what I was looking forward to see. Obviously we weren't able to, but the thing with Patterson right now that is creating the most drama, not even on the field is the off the field stuff. We're still waiting to hear on if he's going to be eligible this year. And it's kind of been a legal uh, back and forth, uh, a pissing match of sorts with Ole Miss. I know Ole Miss had uh, originally, well, not originally, that last week the news had come out that they were formally objecting to the waiver, saying that Shea Patterson wasn't misled, things like that weren't going on. Uh, we actually, in in this hypothetical imaginary show that we did last week, we did bring on Trevor Woods of our site to preview the spring game and also talk about Shea Patterson. Uh, well, that didn't get to happen, but it actually worked out because with us canceling that show, it allowed Trevor to speak to Patterson's lawyer, Thomas Mars. So, um, you know, if you haven't checked that out, uh, we'll maybe see if I can post the link to that story in the uh, description here. But uh, basically the gist of the conversation that Trevor had with uh, Thomas Mars was that, you know, this was in reaction to Ole Miss's objection to the waiver is he was just hoping that Ole Miss eventually would just kind of give in and do the right thing. And as we sat down here ready to record, it it looks like, I don't want to say they're doing the right thing, but it looks like this battle is winding down and we're about to have some news here. So uh, just before we pressed record a couple hours ago, uh, Angelique Changelis of the Detroit News posted a story. Uh, basically looks like, this case is ready to be decided, closed and shut. Finally, it looks like we're going to get an answer on what's going on here. Um, and I'll just read the quotes here right from right from the Detroit News. This is this is what they would call bad radio, but here we are. Um, case is ready to be decided. To be decided, I'm sorry. Uh, the timing of the NCA's decision is a matter of the staff's discretion. So there's no timetable for when a decision will be made. I'm confident, however, and this is again from his... Uh, his lawyer that Trevor spoke to, uh, he spoke to Angelique Chagellis. 
Um, he says, I'm confident that the staff will not take any more time that is necessary to come to the right decision. Uh, and he goes on to say, I could be wrong, but my interpretation of the message is that Ole Miss sent back, uh, that the, of the message that Ole Miss sent back to the NCAA this morning is, we're done fighting, just grant Shea a waiver and get this over with. So based on that, if we're taking Mr. Mars's words at, at face value here, and um, you know he's as connected as anyone in all of this, obviously, it looks like Ole Miss is kind of given in here, and it looks like it's up to the NCA now. Um, so in that article, like he had an interpretation, but the quote that I see that kind of raises my eyebrow a little bit is is the one be right before the the one where he says the case is ready to be decided. He says, "Quote: This morning, Ole Miss notified the NCAA, which in turn notified Michigan, that Ole Miss had nothing to add and said that the NCAA should proceed with making a decision by applying its bylaws, guidelines, and applicable precedents for granting the waivers of year in residence requirement." Now, what that says to me, I'm no lawyer, I'm no Thomas Mars here. But that sounds like Ole Miss, they said what they had to say, but they're still kind of telling the NCAA that, hey, your precedents in the past, for the most part, according to your bylines, bylaws, have been to rule this player ineligible for the first year of transfer. That kind of piqued my eyebrow a little bit, piqued my interest, and I, I was a little worried about that quote, uh, the, the way that it was phrased. Yeah, there are definitely two sides to that here. And and my feeling in, in this is, like I said, I think that's, I agree with you. This is them saying, we've said, we've said our piece. We know, we, we don't feel that we misled anyone. Um, I know the argument on Ole Miss's end is that Patterson kind of knew what they were getting into uh, with the possible sanctions. His brother was employed by the university. Um, but it's just one of those things where, and I know you can't really apply recruiting rankings to this, but you were a, you're looking at a kid who was a five-star recruit, one of the best quarterbacks in high school coming out, who you commit to a school because they give you the best chance to go pro and the best chance to win games. Well, if you can't play for anything and you're, I don't know, I, I guess kind of, it's a complicated situation. I get that. And, the right thing for the NCAA to do would be to, to grant him this, this waiver to let him play right away. But I honestly could still see this going either way. Well, here's a question I have for you guys is take Shea out of it. Take Michigan out of it. If this is just a generic kind of situation where a school gets put on a postseason ban for a number of years and they have all these sanctions, what is the argument from allowing these kids to transfer at will. Like, what is the argument against that? I, I don't understand because they already allow the seniors. Why would they ever try and limit, especially if you're trying to – the whole point of the sanctions is to kind of punish the school, right? So I don't understand what the logic is behind not allowing players to transfer and be eligible immediately. Well, Chris, I'll defer to you here. You haven't got a word in on this yet. Well, there's kind of a reason for that. I just it it's not just this story, but stories like these, even when they don't involve Michigan, just drive me nuts. Because I think I I hate to be one of those guys, but the NCAA, I think, is just one of the most brain dead 
it was a court. It, would you call it a corporation? Uh, in or in, well, an association. Nonprofit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, associations. Non nonprofit in air quotes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and this is such. Everyone in the world knows the rule is stupid. Nobody agrees with it. Nobody thinks that you should have to ever sit out a year when you go to another school. For, okay, not everyone. I'd say 90, 85% of people. And yet every year, there's always some sort of case like this. And I just, it's just silly to me. And, you know, having to get quotes from, from people's lawyers, it shouldn't be, it really shouldn't be that difficult a decision. I'm still not completely uh, confident, even after the quote about, you know, uh, Ole Miss, you know, uh, apparently kind of uh, saying, all right, go ahead, you know, we give up. I'm still not completely confident because uh, if there's one thing uh, lawyers are great at doing, it's spending things. And, you know, he could, e this could easily be some, be a bluff. I, I have no idea. Um, and I, I honestly, I'm not even as conf. I, I haven't been as into this story just because I'm not as confident in in Shea Patterson as some other people think. I think if he is eligible, he's absolutely the starter from day one, no questions asked. Um, but I don't view him as. I mean, you. I, I don't think he'll be. I, I wouldn't project him to be a top three quarterback in the big 10, uh, I still think, uh, and this might be, be a hot take, but I still like, uh, what, uh, Trace McSorley more than him. I still like, uh, probably Lewerke more than him. I still like wh whoever Ohio state has is going to be really good. So I don't think he's a world beater, uh, which is why maybe I haven't paid, you know, as much attention to the story as I should have, but, uh, I I'm, I'm excited for it to be over no matter what the result is. Yeah. And the thing with all of this is, and that's, you bring up a good point and I, I want to kind of pivot to the on the field stuff uh, away from the legal stuff. Listen, at the end of the day, what this boils down to to me is that it looks like we're getting news on something one way or the other soon. Hopefully. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't want it to drag out. Um, but I'll say this about Patterson. I mean, he is, listen, he, he's a great talent, very talented kid, but was a guy that was kind of fighting to keep his job at Ole Miss last year. And, and there are a lot of Ole Miss people who really don't care if he left because they have another guy um, that they're, they're kind of looking forward to seeing and someone who they think is better. So I've always felt from day one, you know, Shea Patterson comes, that's, that's great insurance. I think at, at the end of the day, whoever wins the job, you're not, I, I think the bar and people will disagree with this, but I think every year of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan so far the bar has gotten a little bit higher in terms of what the, if this makes sense, what the floor is. Obviously last year you got stuck playing your third string quarterback a lot of the year uh, in John O'Court and Brandon Peters wasn't ready early on when he should have been. That's still one of my, you know, I don't know if either of you guys watched the Amazon series, but you know, my biggest takeaway from all of that was that why was Brandon Peters not ready sooner? And that's not something we're ever going to get an answer on. That's not something that, um, that the series really, really shed any light on, but it was still frustrating to me because when he was on the field, he was, he looked like the best quarterback that Michigan had last year. So 
you know, that's something they have to answer for. But even if it's, if Patterson's not eligible this year, I, I know the bowl game was bad, but people jumped off that Brandon Peters bandwagon real fast. And they went right to McCaffrey. And then they, now they've gone to Patterson. It's it's always about the next guy with this fan base. Exactly. And I think, that, you know, it's one of those things where I think that whether it's Shea or not, I think that they're going to be okay at quarterback. I, I don't think that, you know, I, the- I'd I'd like to think that things will not be as bad as, you know, John O'Corn throwing throwing passes 11 feet over someone's head, you know? I agree. It won't be, the, you know, what it was last year. I mean, it can't be much worse. Um, but I, I'm not I'm not really confident in the quarterback situation right now. I mean, it, when you look at it, the quarterback situation since Harbaugh has arrived has gotten worse every single year. Jake Rudock was, in hindsight, a godsend. Uh, the, the way he played the last uh, six, seven games of that season uh, was elite. Uh, and he he completely uh, turned around. And he was a guy who, he was another transfer, who uh, lost his job at Iowa. He came in, he had a threw for 3,000 yards. John O'Corn was a guy who set the world on fire his first year at Houston. Anticipations were really high. Uh, or I'm sorry, expectations were really high. And uh, he sucked. It, so I, I, it's hard for me with transfer students, what works in one system or at one school in one environment, I, I think it changes uh, from uh, player to player, from system to system. I think all these guys have uh, – if they didn't have what it took to be a quarterback uh, at at, a, at the college level, they wouldn't have a scholarship. It's just a matter of, of um, finding what works and what doesn't. Yeah, and I think the mistake that a lot of people make too is that we assume that quarterback development is linear. Because X player did this, we expect Y player to do this. Or because, you know, Jake Rudock wasn't that talented and he threw for 3,000 yards, you know, what can a guy as talented as Brandon Peters do and and so on and so forth. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh gets a lot of crap for, you know, you see the, well, how in year three does Michigan not have a quarterback? And I guess it's year four now, but it's one of those things where you have to realize that they literally, they're literally starting from scratch there. I mean, his upperclassman quarterback when he got hired was Shane Morris. Shane Morris was terrible. Yeah. I mean, Shane Morris was... I mean, he he was below John O'Corn on the depth chart, and and he played he played well at CMU. But you're playing in, a, in for a Mac school that, uh, you know, had a kind of a spread offense around you to to make you look better than than you kind of were. And that's no disrespect to him; it, he just wasn't good. You, you go, you look at, um, you know, obviously Rudock was a transfer, did a great job with that. One of the best quarterback coaching jobs I've ever seen mm-hmm. throughout the course of a single year. Wilton Spate was a Hope guy. And even, you know, before that injury, which before that injury that he suffered in that Iowa game, uh, you know, that was a guy who was really starting to come to his own too. And I, and I know that these are guys coming off of performances where you light up Rutgers. And I think the last full start that Wilton Spate had when he was healthy was that game against Maryland where they won 58 to three or something right. like that. So it's, I think before he was injured, he was good. John O'Corn to me was a reclamation project that didn't work out. And I don't know. 
I don't know if he, I mean, I guess you can blame Jim Harbaugh for that. That's fine. But, you know, to, it's kind of one of those things where as an, as a, I don't want to say he's a self-anointed quarterback guru, but you know, as a guy who likes to bring in all these quarterbacks, Sometimes it's just not going to, sometimes a guy just sucks. And, um, you know, John O'Corn, he lost the, he lost the job to Wilton Spate the first, the first year he was eligible to play. He lost it the second year he was eligible to play. The biggest quest, the biggest mistake that Michigan made was that Brandon Peters wasn't given more of a shot to, to win that job. And I think that is a Jim Harbaugh mistake. I absolutely a hundred percent do because throughout that Amazon series. And again, it's not really spoilers because y'all know how the year went, you know, <laughs> Pep Hamilton got a lot of run in that thing. And he was, there were a couple of times where when they went to O'Corn, he's, they show him, you know, the cameras on him up in the box and he's just like, all right, here we go. Uh, John has experience. And that was like literally the only nice thing he could say about him, which this sucks too, because what that show did do was shed a light, shed a light on a lot of those kids. O'Corn being one of them. He's a great dude that just wasn't good at football. And that's, it sucks, but it's, like you know, he, when, he set the world on fire his freshman year, but he lost his job his sophomore year. Well, I, I don't really know what a lot of people expected from him. Like everyone thought it was going to be Rudock. Rudock was what a, a four year starter at Iowa. I think two or three. three. Yeah. Okay, three. I, yeah. I I just know he. I mean, he was a multi year starter at a Big Ten school that actually you know won a lot of games under with Jake. And I, I know a lot of people think that he got forced out or whatever, whatever that situation was, and that may be true, but he was a, a Big Ten starting quarterback coming into Michigan, whereas John O'Corn was a guy who lost his job at Houston, you know, and, and Wilton Spate, and he was good. Anthony, I, I agree with you. He was good, though I think he was better earlier in the year than he was. Like, he was bad in that Iowa game before he got hurt, missed a lot of easy throws. I think the turning point almost for um, Wilton Spate that a lot of people, I, I don't know if, if this may be revisionist history, but I thought the turning point for Wilton Spate, and I thought he started to go downhill, was the beginning of the second half against Michigan State because they got out to that you know commanding halftime lead. They had the ball to begin the second half. They were driving. He tried to throw one on the sideline that got picked off and really let Michigan State back in that game, and that was almost felt like the turning point for Wilton Spate in that entire season and he came in I don't know if he was still hurt coming into last year you know if that shoulder was still bothering him probably uh, affected his development over the offseason but the people who say why doesn't Jim Harbaugh have a quarterback in year three I hate that because you have to remember the transition class between Hoke and Harbaugh was almost non-existent because Harbaugh got hired in January the recruiting I mean what did he have a month maybe to recruit the, fir- the first quarterback he reco- he recruited is a tight end now Zach Jensen. Zach Jensen, yes ex- exactly like it, it, it's not quarterbacks take time to develop very few are like Shea Patterson who come in as a true freshman and are able to play right away and set the SEC on fire like he did his freshman year or even John O'Corn out of Houston well true I'm, freshman I'm, quarterbacks just don't play much I'm glad you said that because this is a situation too where you know Michigan hasn't landed it's you know they haven't landed the Josh Rosens of the world the Sam Darnolds of the world the Shea Pattersons of the world now look now you have him now because he's trained you know he's transferred in but you know Brandon Peters and, and people I know Harbaugh said that he did a lot of things that remind him of Andrew Luck coming out of high school and 
that's that's fine. I think that got people way more, you know, that got people super hyped because, of, oh, well, Andrew Luck, you know, Jim Harbaugh, blah, 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 blah. But Brandon Peters was not a finished product coming out of high school. He was never a guy that was going to come in and start as a freshman. Um, a guy who, I again, like I said, should have been ready as a redshirt freshman. And I think that that does fall on the staff. But Brandon Peters is really the first, Brandon Peters is the first quarterback that Jim Harbaugh has had at Michigan. They had McCaffrey again. McCaffrey's not the the Josh Rosen type guy, the um, the Sam Darnold type guy. These these blue chip guys, uh, Jake. You know, just, it's just one of those things where it's the guys that you've brought in are not the guys that play early. They have you know, Peters had some footwork and mechanics issues. You know, he needs to be a little louder, a little more vocal. McCaffrey comes in. The kid looks like a beanpole. He needs to put on some weight. He needs to, you know, fix his mechanics a little bit. And those those things take time. Uh, so when you look at you look at Peters, you look at McCaffrey, you look at this is Joe Milton coming in now. Michigan, they're they're guys that we think could be pretty good. And all that recruiting is is lottery tickets. It's the same thing as the NFL draft. You could say, oh, this guy's the number one quarterback, and I see him doing this, this, and that, but. It's a crapshoot. It's a hundred percent a crapshoot. I mean, Jimmy Clausen was the number one recruit. Is a quarterback class coming out of high school. Jimmy Clausen wasn't even that good at Notre Dame. Well, he was yeah. pretty. He was. He was good. He, um, if Jimmy Clausen was available for this year's Michigan team, it'd be a whole different story. So. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, the bar hasn't exactly been very high. I mean, the last time that, other than Jake Rudock, Michigan had decent quarterback play was stretches of Devin Gardner's time at Michigan and and definitely not the last season of Hoke, but like that 2013 year that, you know, kind of towards the end of that, that year that Denard was hurt and and Gardner had to play, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it just, it's a process and just kind of takes time. And I know that, and I don't want to, I want to hesitate like shooting all of our bullets on this topic now, but People, I think when people talk about Michigan and how frustrating the football product has been, um, listen, there's no other way to put it than 2016, they blew it. It was a missed opportunity. There's no other way you can slice that up. But when you look at where they've come from, you know, people people thought that Jim Harbaugh would have trouble winning five or six games his first year at Michigan. That's kind of, yeah. that's kind of the pro. He's almost building this program from scratch. And um, I think that in a lot of ways they've addressed and this kind of, you know, we had spring football talk kind of written down on the run rundown here, what we would get into this kind of is a nice little segue into that. And, I, and we're already kind of covering it, but the changes that Michigan had to made make after last season were, I thought that Tim Drevno needed to be fired. Now he wasn't fired. He left on his own accord, but that was something that needed to happen. You needed some fresh blood there. I thought that, um, Obviously, you need to get better up front on the offensive line. Ed Warner is has been one of the best offensive line coaches in college football at multiple places. So I've, you know, I feel as if you've upgraded there. And how lucky are you if you're Michigan? You you hire him to be an analyst, and you just kind of, he just kind of is able to be there to fill a void that you lose with Dr- Tim Drevno. And I think that's an automatic upgrade there. So I, I think your offensive line is going to be better. I'll be honest. In a lot of ways, it can't really be a whole hell of a lot worse. Right. So I think that's been addressed. I think that I think there were too many cooks in the kitchen on offense. And I think that to a certain extent, 
that still kind of might be the case uh, with McIlwain now with with Pep Hamilton. Though it looks like Pep Hamilton, this is kind of more or less kind of his show, uh, so to speak. But he still kind of shares that title with uh, McIlwain. I'm sure that Harbaugh will still have uh, some play calling duties in there as well. But those were changes that need to be made. You got a little bit of fresh blood on the on the offensive staff. I like that. I think that that's what they needed to have. And really, the the thing that stuck out to me the most is that you know you look. Just say you watch Michigan's bowl game, and you look at the guys that are on the field, and then you watch the college football playoff, and you see you know Georgia and Alabama going at it. Right. Those dudes, it it looks like a different level of football. And in a lot of ways it is, but it looked physically, mentally, how fast they play. Those, the jump from a team like Michigan to, to Georgia and Alabama, just physically muscle mass wise, speed wise, uh, it's, it's jarring. And, and I, I felt that Michigan needed to make a change in the weight room and, and kind of get that strength and conditioning up to the standard that if you're going to compete at a high level, needs to be at because a lot of, you know, offensively they were soft and I know that they had a lot of young guys last year, but there are a lot of lanky looking guys on that offense. So um, I feel like all of the changes that they needed to make have been addressed. And, and I don't want to say that's made me more, more or less excited for the upcoming season, but what it tells me is that things can't be as bad as they were. And let's, let's keep in mind too, as bad as things were last year, you won eight football games still, which is not enough. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's not it's not enough. It's not good enough, but it could have it had the potential with everything that went on. You play a third string quarterback, you lose your best wide receiver. You know, two games in this season, and, and Tariq Black, who I have pretty yeah, high expectations. I, I think for that was a much bigger loss than people thought. I think he was gonna be the go to guy. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And and Peoples Jones tried to become that guy at the end, but he just he just wasn't ready yet. It seemed like Tariq Black was there. Um, not to say that they would have you know finished ten and two if he would played, but I think he would have made a much bigger impact than uh, he probably would have had more than nine passing touchdowns in thirteen games. Yeah, you know, it's. So with all of that, and and sorry, Luke, we'll get to you in just a second. I kind of want to finish my thought before I lost it in cyberspace here. Um, and now I think I did lose it. But uh, basically, with all that being said, with the quarter, you know, you played three quarterbacks. You lost one of your best players on offense. Um, it could have been a whole hell of a lot worse. And, and I think the Amazon series, when I watched that, it kind of – we kind of get caught up in the moment, but I think a couple months removed from the season, I think that I'm okay with where things are going. Well, and Anthony, to your, to your point, Anthony, you know, about all the changes that are being made, what I like about it is that it shows me that Jim Harbaugh is self-aware of his situation. You know, um, Tim Trevno was with him a long time and they were able to figure out that it just wasn't working anymore if Jim Harbaugh is self-aware of what's going on he's not you know delusional no I'm just gonna put my head to the grindstone and keep on doing the same thing and hoping it eventually works if he's self-aware and able to self-assess and make this program better I I think that it's going in the right direction yeah I would 100% agree with that so 
when you look at where things are headed, you know, it, it's, and I think this was uh, maybe Aaron McCann of M Life. I, I forget who was the guy that did the article, but I saw it earlier this week on Twitter. On Twitter, Twitter. I sound like my dad. Uh, Twitter, Twitter. Um, sorry, Dad, you don't talk like that, but that's just what popped in my head. Um, it's one of those things where you're not going to know what this team is until September 1st. You're just not. You can read all the hype. You can read all of the, you know, you're going to see, um, shout out my employer, the Michigan Insider on 24-7 Sports. I don't work for those guys. I work for the Vikings, but 24-7 Sports, uh, shout out to you guys. Uh, you're going to see the, the the spring practice stuff on the boards. You're going to see all of the, uh, you know, the rumblings from fall camp. It doesn't mean a goddamn thing. It doesn't. We're not going to know what this team is until they, they lace them up at Notre Dame. So we'll see what happens. But I think uh, I felt – I talked about the things that I felt needed to happen for Michigan, and I left out the most important one. I think what they needed most was a quiet offseason. And in a roundabout way, not having a spring game, not having you know Jim Harbaugh in the headlines every day, I think this is another thing that's good for them. So I think – I, I'd be hard pressed to call this spring anything but a success so far. I, I can't really call it a success or a failure. I don't. I, it's. I mean, it's it's spring. It's spring football. I mean, no, nobody nobody's torn their ACL and gonna miss the season. So in that aspect, sure, it's a success. Luke, uh, your final thoughts on spring football before we get into some other stuff here. You know, I I think you pretty much hit it on the head. We're not going to know what this team is until September 1st. I would have just liked to, you know, seen. I like the spring game just because it gives me football in the springtime. Like, that's that's the only reason. You don't learn anything from it. I just miss football. Yeah, maybe when the... Uh... The XFL comes around, we'll we'll have that uh, that thirst quench. But I have my doubts that league will ever happen. So, uh, well, that's our little spring football preview. Uh, really, I think we had some other stuff written down um, as we continue to Walter Cronkite our way through this thing. As I said before, uh, Jim McElwain. We talked about him briefly. Uh, he spoke to the media on Monday, I believe it was. Uh, and this is kind of what he had to say about where things are headed offensively and at least what the totem pole looks like in terms of the chain of command. So McElwain says, uh, I came in to learn and learn what Pep is teaching and help him in any way I can. Uh, more than anything, I'm just trying to understand what and how, and then maybe over the years of doing this, maybe there's a thing or two that maybe can help our guys play fast. But like I said, I'm not reinventing the offense. It's an offense that's here, and I'm just trying to learn it. He said, yeah, Hamilton is kind of running the offense. Like I said, we're just here to help. Kind of feels like that quote means not a whole lot is going to change in terms of scheme and things like that this year. Uh, You know, I think, and I really think this actually comes back to Shea. Uh, I think the scheme is going to change a little bit to adapt to his strengths or adapt to anyone else's strengths. I think Pep is, is good enough to be able to adapt, especially with an offseason. But last year's scheme was kind of tailored towards Wilton and John O'Corn, really more Wilton because O'Corn had a little better movement. But I 
I think this game, the scheme would change a little bit with Shea Patterson at quarterback than, say, Brandon Peters at quarterback. But I, I like that. You know, you said it, Anthony. There are too many cooks in the kitchen. I, I like the idea of having kind of a more of a hierarchy to the offensive play calling. Mm-hmm. I, I would be extremely disappointed if there wasn't some sort of uh, it just a, a little added element of creativity to the offense. You know, it, it, it it's similar to, to what Hoke would do at a certain point where it's like, hey, look, I know you, you, you want to establish a run game, but at a certain point, the run up the middle, it's not going to magically work. Maybe run a sweep, maybe do an option. Uh, you know, don't throw a screen pass something. So I if I think if the scheme offensively remains the same, um, unless the offensive line just improves drastically, uh, which is possible, but unless that happens, I I, I would be disappointed just because I think that that to me we know how good the defense is we know what type of. Uh, of defensive coach Don Brown is that's not going to be an issue. There's going to be NFL talent all over the defense. Uh, and I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I want the offense to be, you know, what Oregon was when Marcus Mariota was there. Just give me competence. Just give me, just give me two, three legitimately solid touchdown drives every game. And if that's the case, I think this team could win a lot of games. I'm just still skeptical about it. Yeah, all you really have to do is be competent offensively. Like we're yes. nobody's asking them to go out and put up forty or fifty points a game or things like that. It's you know, Don Brown's defense is is amazing and it's going to get better because all those guys are back except for Hurst this year. So when that defense wore down at times, it's you know people say, oh well, they're just tapering off like they always do. No, it's because they're on the field too goddamn much. Yeah, like. You can't – yeah, you need to win games with your defense in Michigan's situation, but you can't make your defense go out and win. You can't depend on them to go – I saw a lot of tweets last year. Well, looks like we're going to need a turnover and a score here. You can't ask for that every game. It's not possible, and it's not a recipe to win. So, um, you know, I've talked about how, you know, people – you know, people lose a little bit of room in their pants anytime you talk about – you know, the Bo Schembechler and the four yards and, and cloud dust and all that good stuff. And that makes all the blue hairs happy and think of times where Michigan was winning Big Ten titles. And, that, and that's fine. But this is a team that, a program that needs to adapt. It needs to evolve. I'm not saying go to the full spread because they tried that when they went to Rich Rod. And it was, you know, the basketball on grass thing, the, the Big 12 style of football, not for me, dude. Like that is not, I don't find that entertaining. I don't. But, you know, when you look at, you know, the, these, these young play callers now, you've got the Lincoln Rileys of the world, the Tom Hermans of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, go out and find your Baker Mayfield. Go out and, and um, you know, find some playmakers. Like, somebody do something. Like, you just can't – this is a Mike Valeni line, and I know he's not a big, uh, very well-liked figure in this fan base, but one time I heard him use the phrase – uh, I think it was about the Lions perhaps, you know, potentially signing Adrian Peterson. 
you said that would be the equivalent of like hurling a computer chair at the line of scrimmage. Like you can't just do that. You can't just battering ram your way through. Cause that's, you know, that may have worked when you were, you were bigger and stronger than everyone else before they had, while everyone was still wearing leather helmets. Yeah. That's not how it works now. Um, but one of the things I do like is that it looks like, uh, and this is from McElwain's session with the media on Monday. He said the receivers have taken uh, kind of a page out of the Michigan basketball team's book, and, and they've I don't I don't know if they've worked with those guys or not. But um, McElwain said, from the standpoint of them going up and getting rebounds, the ball when it's in the air. This is his quote. He says, "Getting it off the glass in a hurry, uh, and when we get the opportunity to go down the field." We got to get the 50, 50 balls. And I love that because the, the wide receivers did not make a whole lot of plays last year. And and sometimes you just have to, you know, if a ball's thrown high, I know the quarterback, you could say the quarterback sucks, but sometimes you just got to go make a damn play. I think Jim McElwain, um, being the receivers coach and working with these guys every day and being an experienced receivers coach is going to have a huge impact on the young core, on Tariq Black, on Donovan Peoples-Jones, on Nico Collins. I think they needed someone not who's not a grad assistant, who's been there, who's coached the position for many, many years at this level, and I think we're going to see a huge jump in receiver production this year, regardless of who the quarterback is. You know, uh, Anthony, you, bring up, you brought up the point about the 50-50 uh, balls, and, and well, it kind of sounds... Uh, a bit silly i think that there's that's that stuff is a lot more important today than uh it's ever been i feel like in the last five years we've seen way more uh final play hail mary touchdowns than we than there's ever been i think a big reason for that is the size the strength the the vertical jump of uh, a lot of these receivers and there have been – Michigan's had some unbelievable receivers you know, throughout their history. And there's been times where they've made uh, – the per, you know, they, they kind of made the career of who, who was throwing to them. Uh, Chad Henney, his freshman year, I remember. Chad Henney threw 25 touchdowns his freshman year. That was the most he ever threw. Um, and it wasn't like he got worse as uh, he went along. It was because his freshman year – just tossed it up to Edwards, and he could go get it. When you have that go-to guy, it, it, you look at the Lions, man. When Stafford was uh, still coming into his own, you could just chuck it up 50 yards, and Calvin could go get it. It made, it made a big difference. Michigan, it's been a while since they've had uh, that playmaker offensively. Um, Jeremy Gallon was great, but he wasn't really a jump ball guy. He was more uh, elusive and, and could make things happen uh, after the catch. But it's been a while since they've had that one big go-to receiver. And uh, hopefully Tariq Black can be that guy or Peoples-Jones, but they need, uh, especially if the quarterback situation uh, continues to be a question mark, uh, to have that safety valve uh, is supremely important. Well, this is where I like where Michigan has gone on the recruiting trail with their wide receivers, at least with definitely in last year's class. Just look at some of the guys that have come out. You know, Harbaugh has talked about Michigan. You know, they aspire to be the NFL's 33rd team. And, um, you know, a lot of people, obviously, that's 
kind of an Alabama thing. And, you know, can Alabama beat the Cleveland Browns, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's, they want to send players to the league. And when you look at the guys that are getting drafted high in the NFL now, it's these big athletic, you know, monster wide receivers. And it kind of started with Calvin Johnson. We saw it with Des Bryant. We've seen it with Alshon Jeffrey. Cortland Sutton might be the top, you know, wide receiver that goes in the draft next week because he's the biggest, you know, the most physical, the most athletic. You know, I like that Michigan is going out and getting those guys now. Tariq Black is that type of player. I think Nico Collins is that type of player. I think that DPJ with some coaching and little sidebar on him. I think his, I still think his best football is ahead of him. I know he had a lot of hype coming out as a freshman. People got to realize at Cast Tech, he was a, you know, he returned kicks and punts. And literally all he had to do was field the ball and then run with it and score a touchdown. He he didn't. uh, They run the ball a ton. And they they do run a lot too. So he didn't have maybe a couple catches in the game, but he played, I think he played safety too. But it's one of those things where he wasn't learning how to run precise routes there. He wasn't learning how to, you know, go up and and win these 50-50 balls. He was a hell of an athlete that they just kind of unleashed. That's where I think a lot of the struggles he had as a freshman kind of come from. After, you know, this is all a process here. So like I said, another spring in the system, another fall camp in the system. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still have hope that Michigan might have its, you know, its its AJ Green or in in a guy like him. I don't even think, I mean, obviously that would be awesome to have uh, an AJ Green in there, but I, just even lowering your expectations, I'd be fine with a junior Hemingway. Like to me, junior Hemingway was one of the most underrated uh, players in Michigan history, because if he played under any other quarterback, I think he would have had a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns, but because Denard just was, could not throw the ball to anyone really. Uh, he didn't get the opportunities, but when he did, he made big plays, man. There would be in look the Sugar Bowl. He had two touchdowns against Notre Dame. There were multiple points. So he just throw it up, uh, and, and a guy like that would be there. So I uh, hopefully uh, they they get that receiver starting this year. Rook. I mean, I would love to see DPJ just kind of take off, but I I want to see. And I think he will. I think you're right, Anthony. I think, you know, he, he's going to be very, very good. But, I mean, I want to see a guy like Nico Collins, who's a big receiver. I mean, they could use him in so many different ways. If he's able to develop, if all three of those guys are able to develop, I mean, it's going to be – Michigan's going to be set, especially with the guys they have at quarterback. I think the offensive line is going to continue to improve. But the, th- the thing on the offensive line, man, and you guys were talking about it, you know, Anthony, you don't like uh, the Rich Rod thing you did, and the Hoke thing, and I agree. Both of those offenses, though, were like far side of the spectrum, you know? Mm-hmm. Hoke, Hoke's offense was literally the throw the computer chair at the offensive line sort of thing. If they could find a little bit a little bit of Rich Rod and a little bit of Hoke system and, and kind of sprinkle them together, and I know they've been trying, but if they're able to really implement, maybe, I, and I know this is the buzzword, the RPO, you know, the, but the run-pass options are obviously in college football uh, 
are huge, you know, and, and I think they need to find a little bit of that. And I think they need to maybe take some ideas from other offenses. Um, but a lot of it right now seems to be more the throw the computer chair at the line of scrimmage than it does aired out. But that might be the shortcomings of the offensive line and the quarterback position as well. I mean, yeah, you can hurl the computer chair at the line if there's a f- for, you know, if there's a if you had, if you had Alabama's to. offense when they had Trent Richard Trent Richardson at running back, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, when I look at, like I said, kind of in a roundabout way, tying everything up in a bow, um, I feel like all the change. Like I said, I'm I'm I know Chris isn't Chris just wants to see improvement. He's not gonna. I take it you're you're the type of guy who's like I said, you're not gonna put any stock in anything till September 1st. And I think that's the way it should be. Even, um, you know, honestly, I'm not, if they, if they lost the, you said we won't know how, you know, what the, this team is until September 1st. Uh, that first game to me, I think people are going to make a bigger deal out of it than they should. Now, if they, if they come out and punch Notre Dame in the mouth, obviously uh, it changes things. But I, I think that's almost like an exhibition game to me where they could lose that game and still make, go to the, go to the playoffs, still have all their goals in front of them. Uh, To me, it won't be till, you know, October, November, even when we find out how good they actually are. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, and people, obviously they want to see college football playoff. They want to see national title, but you know what kind of the next step in this process is, is, Get yourself the Big Ten title game. So if you lose to Notre Dame, like obviously if you get blown out, it's gonna be no, it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be the apocalypse to this fan base. But I don't think that will happen. Uh, I, I have a, even when Michigan wasn't great, you know, you still you still competed with Ohio State last year. You should have beat Michigan State. Really, the only task that was too tall was that night game at uh, at. At Penn, Penn State. State, and that was they they did not, they never have a sh- they never had a shot in that game. So, um, like I said, I, I think that if we're I hate to go all trust the process on people, but when you look at the next step for this program, I think just getting getting to Indianapolis this year is would be that's what that's what I think needs to happen if you can find a way to make it happen. Uh, and if you lose to Notre Dame, it's not really going to affect that all. It's not going to affect that at all. So, um, again, we're not going to know what this team is until at least September. Probably won't know what they are until at least October. So it's just it's just one of those things. But, all right, so we are about 48 minutes into this show now. I want to end here uh, with something a little bit light, something that's not really f- football or Michigan-related at all uh, because we have a tendency to kind of go that route when, on this show from time to time. We made it like almost 50 minutes into a show without talking about a movie or, or referencing anything like that. So uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that's bad on us, but like, if that's not what you're here to, if that's not what you're here for, then I guess that's a good thing for you. Uh, do you have a question? Let's see here. Uh, okay. I saw this on Facebook. And it was one of those things where I wanted to like share it, but I'm like, you know what? I'm a content guy. I want to hear what my co-hosts have to, you know, mainly because we need to put a show together this week because we didn't last week. But uh, I saw us on Facebook, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. It's, it's just one of those little image meme things, and it says, you're a burglar. Only, instead of stealing what you break in, you do things to mildly inconvenience your victims. What are you doing 
to cause to harm people in this way. So I don't care which one of you guys goes first. Um, I have pet peeves around the house. Maybe be a homeowner soon, eventually. Who knows? Things that I'll see that will drive me batshit crazy. But wondering what uh, if you were looking to make someone like me crazy, what would you do? Okay, hide your keys. Um, clog your toilet. Those are the first two that come to mind. Oof. For, oof. Yeah, and like for me, I had three that immediately came to mind. It, one would be to hide the remote in, in a place that you'd probably never think to find it. Uh, another – the fridge. Yeah, right, or, or some something where, where you'd never really look, you know. Um, one would be to uh, take one shoe and hide it somewhere and, and leave the other one where you have it and and the other would be to like either turn your water off or turn your like water heater off i'd do something with the thermostat too yeah, yeah. Make it really hot or really cold we're talking mild inconveniences here you guys are like looking to make me want to like, <laughs> just go crazy man just go crazy uh i thought about this a little bit i think one of my biggest pet peeves ever and this could just i i think i think i might be ocd I'm not diagnosed or anything, but like I think I think, we, I think everyone is kind of to a certain extent. No, I don't think so. I live with some people who are definitely. Uh, when I was up at CMU, I live with some people who certainly were not OCD, but you know, everyone's a little bit different. But I think one of my biggest pet peeves is okay. So you know, if you have a shower curtain, which way do you usually pull it? Is it usually like you pull it open from? So you either pull it from faucet the left side. side, faucet side, faucet. Yes, I'm a faucet side guy. If someone, if it was, you know, pulled to the other side and crumpled up the other way, I would. That drives me so goddamn crazy. I don't know why, but that would be something I would do because um, I'd like to think a lot of people maybe think like me. Obviously, one person does. The other thing I would do is I would go around the house and I would just barely unscrew all of the light bulbs enough to where like you thought, like you flip all the light switches up, but like you. You thought you lost power, but you didn't. Like we're talking mild inconveniences here. Right. The other thing would be um, empty all of the ice cube trays. Like that would, I, I think that's a that's nowhere near. Like you guys came out all guns blazing. Like I I sound like a little prankster here. You guys are like, you guys are looking to like ruin home values and things like that. But oh no no no, um, hiding the remote would would just be a, definitely a mild inconvenience because you'd have to get off the couch and go change whatever you needed to change actually you can't really you can't really change a channel anymore with like the new boxes without a remote no you can't and you know what the other thing is like for a little bit i had uh i had the samsung galaxy s5 maybe and it had the they had a little the ir blaster on the end of it to where you could literally use your phone as a remote it was like a universal remote too so like there was a year a couple years there maybe a year or two where like I was not worrying about that at all. So that was like pretty high on the hog there, you know, lose my remote. Doesn't matter. Still got my phone, um, lose my phone a lot still, which created a lot of other problems, but, um, I'm trying to think anything. One, else one other thing that I would definitely do is that I would, I would check the fridge. And if you had something like milk in there, I would see exactly where it's at. I would dump it out about halfway and fill the rest with water right back to where the level was in the milk. Oh, so you're making you're making people's milk one percent is what you're saying? P- pretty much, yes. 
Okay. This one just occurred to me. It just because I would do this uh, on our family computer all the time. I would just log on to our computer, assuming you didn't have a password or you were already logged in. And and this is the definition of a minor inconvenience. I would just change the uh, background screen, uh, like the wallpaper on the front page. Um, and I wouldn't... <laughs> Have you ever heard of a movie called Zardos with Sean Connery? No. Okay. I would. Wait, al- no, is that the one where he wears like almost like the Borat swimsuit? Yes. Yes. I would always change the background of our computer to that photo. <laughs> Man, you are mean. Oh yeah, I'm just a son of a bitch. Yeah, and, I know. And then one one that would probably really irritate you, Anthony, that I would probably do since you're OCD is I would like flip your comforter to where it's tag side up. You know? No, see, when it comes to my bed, I'm just gonna lay on what's ever there. Like, okay. I can go days right. without make, making my bed. Um, I can't. I, I no- can't do the comforter if like the tag showing up top because I know it's the wrong way. I, I just can't do it. Yeah, I am. I've been known to. First of all, there are a lot of times where it takes me multiple days to do laundry just because I forget about stuff. <laughs> but like, I am known for like just sleeping on the mattress. Like, at, like I will do my sheets, but like, oh, it's. Just, it's kind of a pain in the ass to put sheets back on your bed sometimes. So just kind of like pass out, uh, <laughs> pass out as is. So no, that wouldn't bother me at all. Uh, the other thing I was thinking was maybe if you like just barely, you see this one, I think you've seen this in like cartoons and stuff before. Like you just barely unscrew like the salt or pepper shaker. So when <laughs> someone goes to shake the salt, it just all goes on there. Um, oh man, that's, that would make me so mad. Like that wouldn't even be a minor inconvenience for me. I would lose my shit. <laughs> oh man. See, I got a couple good ones. I hope people too. I hope people like tweet us at, at Brewcast Show and just give yeah. us some of the best ones that that we're not thinking of right off the whim here. Yeah, I need to hear what other people would do because it's like think of just being like a serial cat burglar, except instead of burgling people you're literally just like, that's that's like the the dane cook bit from back in the day where they like leave a lava lamp or some shit like that <laughs> yeah exactly uh i thought i had one more uh what was it uh this is kind of an old school one and i gotta shout out my brother for this one because him and i talked about this he said in the old days before there was like hdmi and you had to like plug like you plug your playstation right in the tv mm-hmm. instead of like set the inputs to like it has to be on channel four instead of channel three. Like that's a minor inconvenience that can also be a pain in the ass for you. You know, the PS one and N64 crowd out there uh, input channel three or channel four instead of channel three on the TV. That could be one too. So who knows? A lot of, a lot of ways to inflict uh, mental pain and mental damage on people that doesn't, you know, involve calling them fat or, calling them names and things like that. You could, you could wage psychological warfare, but just like doing strange shit to people around the house. Agreed. So, all right. Well, I think that's all we have. Obviously that's all we have. If that's what we're ending on, but, um, another, another, uh, job well done by you gentlemen, uh, as Luke, uh, teased there, you can follow this show on Twitter at Brewcast Show. Try to be a little more active on there. Like I said, kind of was re- refreshing the batteries the last few weeks, but we want you to tweet in your reactions to things we talked about on the show. Obviously, the question that we just addressed. Uh, any feed, We're always open to any and all feedback. Hopefully, you, you have enjoyed it as much as we have so far. 
Uh, you can follow my co-host. Uh, you can follow Chris at uh, Castellani2014. I believe I have that correct. Do I? Yes, you do. On Twitter. And you can follow Luke on Twitter at Luke Giardi. I believe I have that right. You do. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Brew. Follow the website at Maze and Brew on Twitter. Uh, be sure to download and subscribe our podcast using uh, iTunes. or I, I'm sorry. I believe it's called Apple Music now. And uh, and uh, the Google Play Store. Uh, or Apple Podcasts. I'm sorry. But uh, you can subscribe to those using Maze and Brew Podcast on both of those platforms. Obviously, listen on the site. We have the SoundCloud page. All that stuff, most places where you can get audio, you'll be able to find our stuff. Also, so. please subscribe and leave a review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good review. Don't leave a shit review. Leave a good review. Even, lie if you have to. Like, we'll, I'll, I'll like, pay give, people up. Give us, give us five stars, but if you want to tell me I'm an idiot or some shit like that, like, I'm mm-hmm. cool with that. But just leave five stars and then write whatever you, you what, want in the review. I'll tell you what. If you leave a five-star review, you have an open invitation to come on this show and just rail us. Just absolutely let it rip. Like if that's, hey, if you want a platform to sound off, we we can be that platform. And you you want to tell us we suck? That's fine. But leave a review. We will we will let you tell us we suck on this show. You can let the whole world know, but leave the review. So, um, hopefully you don't feel that way though. But uh, for Chris, for Luke, I've been Anthony. Uh, thanks again for listening, for following along, and we will be back with something next week. <laughs>